my purpose is family um, and then helping people. You know, that, that, that's my purpose right there and, and helping people and family kind of go hand in hand. Welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs, drivers, and social impactors who use purpose as the driver to achieve greatness. My name is Kobe Mponsa, and I'm here to provide you with priceless value that will last a lifetime. So let's get right into it. All right. So today we have Michael Nesbitt, founder of Grassroots K9, a dog training business that focuses on custom training programs for dogs based on the needs and lifestyles of the clients. So Mike is, is a really purpose-driven dude because he works with a lot of um, police dogs and the way these dogs, <laughs> the way these dogs, um, you know, attack Mike, you know, when he's in it, in his full suit, you definitely have to have a strong purpose to do what he does, man, for sure. But um, in all seriousness, um, you know, I look at the way Mike communicates with these dogs and he truly has a gift. So, Mike, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, I appreciate the, the kind words, man. I appreciate that. Um, it, it feels good to be, to, uh, as much as people try to be humble, you know, it feels good to get some recognition as well. You know? So I, I appreciate you, you know, asking me to um, join in and do this podcast with you. And hopefully I can bring some value to uh, your listeners. Absolutely. I don't doubt it, man. So Mike, first off, how are you feeling today, man? How, how, how are you doing? Like right now, how are you doing? You know, we just, we're going through COVID. It's, it's dwindling down, but we're going through it. Like, how are you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm feeling good. You know, I, I'm, I'm in the country now. So to be honest with you, not much has had to like, as far as like my lifestyle had to change too much. Like I don't usually go into big crowds of people anyway. So mm. this is kind of, you know, it's a regular schedule programming, like personally for me, obviously there's been adjustments with the business and so forth, but yeah. I'm feeling great. That's what's up. And where did your love for dogs come from? To be honest, like, it, it's probably different than most people um, or that are involved with dogs. Like I grew up and had dogs growing up, but it was never like I was always interested, not, not more than any other kid. Like I was interested in dogs. Um, my, my interest for dogs actually was kind of like a byproduct of my interest on like behavior. Um, and like as a kid, I wanted to be like, I was so sold on, I'm going to be a marine biologist because I went to SeaWorld one time, right? And saw them swimming and doing tricks with whales. So I was always obsessed with like behavior um, and, and, you know, ways that specifically with animals that we could teach them to do things that might be unnatural for them or something that they wouldn't just do, you know, in the wild. Yeah, and I kind of got over to dogs. Got you. So I guess that stems into my, my next question, which is kind of, you, you had a back, you have a background in, psychology and sociology um but how do you use that you know in your business to train dogs yeah so my, my i went to school for um psychology and sociology i have a few degrees in that field um i started with counseling um with humans with a uh, duly diagnosed so they would have like um they would be on the autism spectrum um but then also suffer from like schizophrenia so it would be like two two issues um so I started there and it, you know, there's uh, learning is learning. 
So whether it's like we're teaching dogs or we're teaching humans, children, we all learn the same way. Um, we all have, have to be like motivated um, to want to do something. The good thing about dogs that I happen to like stumble upon, um, I'm a very, like I want results kind of like now guy. Um, and you know, dogs are much easier to teach to have like repeatable behaviors than humans. Humans, we have like our, our free will kind of gets in the way a lot of times with, with things, right? So mm -hmm. to, to be able to see results, like tangible results, um, that's kind of what drew me towards the dogs and, and away from, you know, the psychology aspects in regard to like human um, learning theories and so forth. Got you. And how do you assess the behavior of a dog? Tell us about what goes into the understanding of, of dogs. Yeah, so to it, it's kind of uh, it, like no two dogs are alike. Like they're, 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 they're like us in that sense. Like there are certain things that are, are true and can be generalized. Um, but when we assess dog behavior, like our best friend is like sitting back and observing and, and watching how that dog interacts um, with other dogs, with other human beings, with new environments. You know, we want to, most of the problem behaviors with uh, on the pet dog side of things um, generally come from dogs being kind of unsure of themselves and being what we call like a little bit nervy. So they're kind of, they can spook really easily. I mean, it can lead to like a lot of different behavioral issues. Um, and, and then on the other side, um, you know, some of the problems, a lot of the problems come from just dogs being dogs, right? Like we have to teach dogs how to live with us where, where we can have um, mutually beneficial relationships. You know, they, dogs bring a lot to the table for us just as pets and, and we want to be able to give them an, an enriched life um, and make sure that we're not button heads the entire time. Got you. And I was, I was doing some research on dogs just before we, we, we had this interview and um, and I wanted to get your take on this. There's always that list of, you know, which dogs are the smartest dogs. Um, at the top usually is the, uh, how do you pronounce it? It's like collared, uh, it's like the black and white spot, spot, spotted dog. And there's a lot of those. Maybe I know. Like border collies? Yes. Border collies. border collies. You know, they have that at the top, but to you, um, do you think that actually, you know, are there specific dogs that are able to catch on things a lot quicker than other dogs? Or is it just kind of dependent on you as the owner and what, and you know, how powerful your, your tools are or your commands are like, you know, is yeah, that so kind like, of a myth? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say it's a myth, like there's truth to it, uh, mm -hmm. but nothing with dogs or, or with anything, it's hard to speak in like generalizations, right? Gotcha. Um, yeah. Some breeds tend to, be better at doing particular things than other breeds, right? Like the history of dogs is like, we've made them. We kind of played like puppet master with dog genetics. And um, so border collies, for instance, like we'll use those. Um, they were typically used, well, originally bred to herd sheep um, and work livestock. Gotcha. So, and they'll have to be able to communicate with their, like the shepherd at the time. Um, from a distance and understand what they want them to do and be so genetically like that's been we selected for that in them so they might be better at you know handler communication um, like reading what we want from them so it might make the process easier um, on, on the other hand um, they're probably not again generalizations they're probably not fit well for uh, a stagnant kind of lifestyle inside a condominium right um, so they might be smart 
in reading handler cues or what we want them to do, but some might consider them not too bright in sitting still and, and hanging out in, inside a house with you. And so like, it's hard to measure intelligence in that way. There's, a, there's actually quite a few studies. I've, I've taken a course on um, canine cognition. So there, there's different, um, there, there's different ways to measure intelligence in different fields. So like social intelligence, um, problem solving intelligence. So uh, across the breeds and different dogs will have their own strengths and weaknesses, much like us, right? Got you. That makes sense. And there are many dogs that are known to be more aggressive. You know what I mean? You have the, for the Pitbull, for example, or the Rottweiler. Um, but just speaking on that, is that kind of more of a myth? Is that something that's dependent on, to, on the owner or is that their characteristic? And, um, you know, with those dogs specifically, if they are known to be more aggressive, how do you control that? Like, what are the steps you take to, to sort of control that, how, that dog's behavior? Yeah. So again, like it, it comes, it goes into, uh, there's obviously a genetic component to, you know, anything. So sociability with the dogs, um, environmentals, the likelihood that they may have some types of aggression. Um, but we, it's hard to generalize for all dogs, right? Or like, Hey, um, German shepherds are aggressive dogs and chihuahuas are not like, that's not the case. I've met some really social German shepherds and I've met some really angry chihuahuas right so uh it, it all it's that whole argument of nature versus nurture like yeah there's there's a lot of dog behavior that has to do with us as the owners and how we interact with the dogs but that's not deterministic like that doesn't mean we can do all of the right things and still have a dog that has some behavior issues right or we can do all of the wrong things and have a dog that can have great behavior just genetically they're set up for that um what we want in the ideal world, we want to have a dog that's genetically strong for what we want for them. Um, and we do all of the right things. So that way we set ourselves up from both sides to be successful um, with how we integrate that dog into our lifestyle. Got you. Got you. Makes sense. I watched a few episodes of the show, uh, Dog Whisperer. And uh, <laughs> the, train, <laughs> the, the yeah, the trainer, Milan, um, there's one episode where I mean, I don't know if there's, he probably got bitten in multiple episodes, whereas one episode in particular where he got bitten and he seemed surprised, like he was surprised that the dog bit him. Um, yeah. You know, you being a dog trainer yourself, are there times where a dog um, does something that you didn't expect that surprised you? It's like, whoa, like that came out of nowhere. I didn't expect that. Yeah, like it, it happens. Uh, as far as the biting goes, like it's kind of like a, a chef, right? If, if you work in a kitchen, eventually you're going to burn yourself sometime. You're, you're gotcha. working with fire. You might cut yourself. Um, so that's part of it. Um, but the surprise thing, like, yeah, it, it happens quite often. And that's one of the things that I really like about working with dogs um, is because, like I said earlier on, no two dogs are exactly alike. So sometimes those surprises are like happy surprises. Like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Sometimes they're not so happy, um, but it always, you know, it, there's nothing that can be done that's cookie cutter. Like we can't take cookie cutter methods because we have these living, breathing creatures that can decide what they want to decide at any moment. Um, and it doesn't let it become like mundane and boring for me. Um, and, and for our other trainers at that, we, we, that's what keeps it interesting. We, I appreciate those surprises every day I wake up and I'm like, Hey, I don't know what today is going to hold when I go out and start working with these dogs. Um, gotcha. 
And I think you always stress that too. You always stress, stress um, custom, customizable programs for all the, the dogs and clients that you work with. So yeah. um, I definitely respect that. I don't have a dog, but when I get one, you're, you're definitely going to be my guy, 100%. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> with dogs too, I always wonder like, can there, there's certain things that, that dogs can sense that they have better sense, um, sensory cognition, you know, compared to humans, but can dogs actually sense fear? Can they sense, you know, um, lack of confidence? Can they, can they sense those types of things in, in their, their owners and trainers? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, so a lot of dog communication general, uh, in general is like physical, physical, and then, um, uh, olfactory, right? So, um, physically there's a lot of things that we do. Like, uh, if I move, act like I'm a scared person, like you'll see dogs around me pick up on that just by my physical movement, right? Like if I make myself really small or I don't want to make eye contact with the dog, like to them, that's like I'm screaming communication at them to us as humans. It seems like really subtle things. And sometimes as humans, they go totally unnoticed. Like we don't notice those things, but dogs are really big on physical communication. So that stuff, they pick up super quickly. Um, on the other side, the olfactory side, right? Our bodies, um, and this kind of goes into a little bit of the police work. Um, our bodies give off particular pheromones and odors um, when we're angry, when we're afraid. There's scents that come with that. So we might, we might, as humans, subconsciously pick up on those scents. Like, have you ever walked into a room and just felt in the air there was something wrong? In yeah, here? yeah. Right? So, I, I don't know the science behind that particular uh, when, when it comes to humans, but I think that it must like, there's some type of correlation. We can't yet put our finger on it, but dogs can also pick up on those olfactory cues. Right. So um, wow. when we're teaching a police dog to track someone that um, robbed a bank, right. That person that's running away, there's a lot of different odor coming off of them um, compared to someone that's just going on a walk through the park. So their dogs are able to discriminate that odor um, and follow that odor and track that odor versus just the regular guy going for a stroll. Wow. That's interesting stuff. That's very interesting. <laughs> Definitely. And, and again, with me, like one of the reasons why I really like this stuff is because I'm, I'm just an avid student, you know, like I always want to study. I always want more information. I can never have enough. As soon as I feel like, Oh, I really got this thing figured out. Some more information comes out and it just, I'm like, oh, wow, I know nothing. Like, I need to get back to it, right? So, yeah, I definitely love doing this. Got you. Okay. And why do you, so I, I see a lot of your videos, you know, you'll, you'll be, you guys will be in the, the, the jump protective padding suits. The bite suit. The bite suit. Yeah. The bite suit. That's, that's basically, that's the, the, the greatest term for that suit. <laughs> the bite suit. And, you know, a dog will, will, will bite your arm, mm -hmm. but, you know, you'll pet it and you'll make sounds. What's the idea behind that? Why, why do you guys do that? Yeah, so when, when we're training um, dogs for police work, like we're, you know, there's a, a couple myths in like general society. Like we're actually not, we don't want the dogs to cause a lot of damage when they get someone, right? The, the goal behind a dog apprehending someone is just that. Like we want them to catch them and hold them. Of course, it's not going to be pleasant, but it's not about training the dogs to maul and injure people and give them massive injuries that they're going to live with for their life. It's just about biting, holding on to them and waiting for your handler and, and backup to come in and make the arrest. Right. So it's a, a non-lethal form uh, of apprehending someone. Um, so if we keep, we teach the dogs 
um, one to be calm while they're biting. Um, all they do is stay on that one spot. So they don't move around. You see some dogs that they bite someone's arm, bite their chest and move to all these different places. That's not what we want. We want them to be calm and clear headed um, and stay right there and just bite and hold on to that person. Um, the, the other thing, when I'm making sounds, um, those sounds are actually reinforcers for the dog. Um, so if, if you know, a dog has a squeaky toy and they, they, they're biting at the toy and they finally hit that sweet spot where they, that toy starts to squeak, the dog's a lot more interested in, in staying in that spot and staying where that squeaky toy is and, and repeating whatever behavior caused that um, toy to squeak. So that's what, that's what those sounds are. They're reinforcers for the dog to say, hey, really, I like what you're doing. Stay right there. Keep doing what you're doing. This is exactly what I like. A little paycheck. Got you. Now, I know you've, you've worked with probably thousands of dogs by now. Um, but is there any, you know, situation that you can think back to where, and I know you said they're all different, but you can think back to where it was like, wow, this dog was really difficult to, um, I guess you could say, control their behavior. Like, is there any situation you can think back to? It was like, wow, this was a, this took me a long time, longer than I thought. Yeah, definitely. So like anytime that a dog is, um, and it happens actually pretty commonly, uh, like anytime that there's a dog that's, for whatever reason is very scared of just the world. Like the world is this big, scary place. Um, those are always the hardest dogs to get through, right? Because uh, are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yes, sir. Yeah. So if we look at it for dogs, right? Like if they think that they're, for whatever reason, it's not threatened at all, but if they think that their life is threatened, nothing else matters, right? They, in their mind, all they want to do is survive. They don't really care about eating from you. They don't really care about interacting with you. All they want to do is get away and stay safe because they think that you're the big boogeyman or whatever, or the world is the big boogeyman. So those dogs are really hard to communicate with because nothing, no information is being processed by them. They're only thinking about surviving, even though what they're afraid of is a made up monster in their head. The world is just scary to them. So those dogs take a lot of time. And to be honest with you, they, there's, their plateau is a lot lower than other dogs that don't feel that way about the world. So we, what we try, if we can expose young puppies to as many things as we can um, and teach them, it's like raising children or humans, right? We want to teach them the world isn't like this big, scary place. It's a big playground and you, it beats to your drum. You make things happen that are fun. Um, then as they get older, we empower them. And now we can really communicate with them and teach them what we want them to learn. Um, so yeah. Uh, that, that's probably probably those would be the hardest ones just those ultimate fearful dogs got you and stemming off of that question what are some of the things that you've learned in training dogs um that you can also apply to humans you know what i mean dogs that things that you see dogs do well that it's like you know humans can do if humans did this you know they'd be a better in position or things that you're implementing with your own family and your kids and whatnot and you just had a son by the way as well right daughter daughter daughter, daughter. okay another you had another daughter. another daughter congrats yeah, congrats yeah. congrats thank you thank you but yeah. um yeah yeah so i i think you know learning theories are learning theories they apply to anything that pretty much has a brain um and and, and can learn um one thing that i learned with dogs and humans is with dogs there's no room for gray area right if we say hey like sometimes it's okay to jump on the couch but sometimes it's not okay that in their mind it doesn't doesn't work like that 
they're, they're, it needs to either be okay all the time to go on the couch or it's not okay. Right. Um, so I take that and, you know, I, I learn from my kids every single day as well. Um, and, and I'm probably a bit better with the, the dogs than, than the kids because <laughs> I have, I still have some gray area with, and their daughters, right. So they can, yeah. they know how to push me and get away with everything. <laughs> they want. Um, but yeah, I, I check myself and I'm like, Hey, okay. Yeah. The things need to be clear and concise and it's right or wrong. No gray area for them. Um, and when they do something that I really like my daughters, um, I re I reward them. I reinforce them. Um, and if they do something that I don't like, then I remove reinforcement. I don't let them get what they want. They, or they, they lose access to something that they really like. Um, uh, and, and that's the way that the world works in general, right? So, you know, if you're speeding down the road and the government doesn't want you to speed down the road, um, they give you a ticket for that, right? And they, they take away some of your money that you don't want to go away. Mm -hmm. um, so we apply those, all of these things. Once you become like a dog trainer, you look at kind of everything uh, as, you know, like dog behavior um, and the parallels are kind of unmatched. I've actually started putting together um, uh, like a compilation of a, it's called like lessons from, do from dogs, nice. um, different specific dogs that I've worked with that have taught me things um, that I've taken further in my life and applied to my life or I've seen it applied to other people's lives. So I started putting together I don't want to call it a book, but there's just a bunch of kind of random notes that I've jotted down. That would be, that would be a good book to put together, man. Cause I was, I actually had no interest in getting a dog, but watching you and watching everything you've been doing, I'm like, <laughs> shit, man, if, if, if I had a dog, I could, I could learn a lot from, you know, this dog, like it would help me. It would help, yeah. you know, my family members. Like it's, it's um, yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah, they, they definitely teach us that dogs, I got dogs teach me more than I've ever taught them. So yeah, hmm. uh, definitely look at it that way. Interesting. So Mike, your team has grown, your team has grown quite a bit. Um, but I would like to ask you, how do you know who is a good fit for your team? And I, 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 I'm sure you can attest to the fact that it can be, it can be challenging. You know, you, you have a purpose, um, for grassroots canine, but how do you find someone who is in line with, you know, that purpose and is, is true to, to your mission? Yeah. So, and, and to be honest, I don't have the exact answer. Like I'm, I'm still learning these things. Um, I, I think the, the one consistent that I've found, it has nothing to do with that person's ability to train a dog, right? We can, we can kind of teach those things. It has nothing to do with, um, their, overall tardiness or or like we, we can fix those things what i care the most about is someone's commitment right what's their commitment to what we're doing or, or what they're doing they don't have to be in this for the for uh, they're never going to be as committed as i am to this right um, but i want them to, to see that they're committed to themselves if they said hey i really want to learn how to i don't paint walls and i, I want them to almost become obsessive with, with learning those skills, like in learning how to paint the wall the best and most efficient. Like if, if I see that, the, that's like a, an untrainable thing, right? We can't teach someone to have that in them. So if they have that, and then they happen to be interested in learning how to train dogs, it's, we're, we're off to the races, right? Because I know where this is gonna go because I have that same um, personality. And it's dogs, yes, dogs right now. But if I get obsessed with, uh, it can be anything. Um, we're, we're, I'm building uh, a, a chicken coop in the backyard right now, right? Um, I'm obsessed with it. 
like that's my mind is locked in and like that's what i'm on right i'm on youtube watching every video i can about so if i see that kind of personality in someone i definitely want them to join our team and, and be here with us got you and stemming off of that you've been doing this for a long time now consistently you've just been sticking with the dogs and you've been doing it and i, I really respect that because even me you know I'll, I'll i'll jump around from certain things but um Really, you know, when you stick to one thing, that's when you're, you're, you can really focus in and hone on what you're doing. But what keeps you going? Like, you know, there's so much opportunity out there. As you mentioned, there's, there's so many different things you could have done. But what keeps you going, you know, every single day? It, to be honest with you, dogs, um, from like the outside perspective, it seems like one very specific thing to people, right? It's like, hmm. oh, you work with dogs. Um, but once you're, you're here and you're working with dogs, there is so much variety in working with dogs. We've done um, service dogs to help people that are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, we do detection dogs for explosives to help keep stadiums safe for people. We do um, police dogs. And even in those venues, there's so many small different shoot-offs. So if I find myself getting kind of... Uh, kind of bored with one little segment of it, there's thousands of different ways that, that we can go inside just the dog world, right? There's, there's all these different outlets and I, and I can bounce back and forth. I can say, hey, you know what? We're, for the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna focus a lot on um, just doing pet dog training and helping people with their dogs. Then if I start to get a little bit kind of mundane and, and bored in that field, then I say, okay, I'm gonna focus my time now to raising some of these police puppies and, and, and making sure that they're ready to go. So. It seems like it's very specific, but with all actuality inside, there's so many different options and, and so many things that I haven't done and touched on yet, right? Uh, like I'm, I'm also pretty passionate about helping others um, in general. And one of the, another company that we started um, is called Triple Threat Canine, me and two of my friends, um, and it's totally geared towards teaching seminars to people um, about dog behavior, um, police dogs, working dogs, and, and helping, you know, civilians um, and law enforcement better their relationship and, and become more efficient with training their dogs. So there's, there's just so much things that we can do. Got you. So it seems like helping people is at the core. That's, that's kind of what keeps you going, you know, every single day, just helping Def people. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. My neighbor, they have, um, I don't know what type of dog it is, but it's, it's one of those dogs that's like, um, like a crossbreed from like a, a wolf. I think it's like a husky or something like that. Yeah. And the dog is like really strong. Every time they take it for a walk, it's just dragging them along. Like the dog is taking them for a walk. They're not taking the dog for a walk. Um, but uh, I'm definitely going to, I'm going to let them know that they should, they should holler at you because um, yeah. their dog is controlling them right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd love to help. We'd love to help. So with your business, um, you're constantly in contact with trainers and dogs. Um, and we kind of touched on this earlier, but with the resurgence of, of COVID-19, um, how has Grassroots K9 adapted? Yeah, so it was obviously like when it hit and like everything had to shut down, it was kind of like, a, oh, now what are we going to do? Like we, we've, um, there, there's been some contracts as far as like working with the law enforcement and stuff that we've had to forego um, just because of the times. Uh, but we adjusted in real time. We, uh, we've always had plans to offer a lot of online um, training. Uh, so I, we just looked at COVID. I was like, okay, now's the time to do it. So we've had a bunch of videos in, in uh, an archive 
that were already pre, like pretty much how to raise a puppy from the day that you get it until it's six months old that were wow. already done. We just didn't put them online yet. Um, so we'd use that as kind of our motivation, uploaded those things online so people can access that on our website at grassrootscanine.com. Um, and so there's puppy ones, there's basic obedience. Um, and we even have a, a, some of the working dog stuff um, all online. Uh, we also transitioned to doing online one-on-ones via Zoom um, to give some people um, some help and advice that way. Um, we, we all offer board and trains. So that's pretty, there's not any interaction with people like the dogs come and stay with us at the farm we train them up and then they go back home um, so so we made some slight adjustments in that field but other than that we only just we stopped doing in-person private sessions um, we didn't want to expose people or our staff to potential risks right so gotcha yeah. fair enough so what's next for grassroots canine uh, well, we're actually opening up. We actually just announced we opened up a, a location in Ottawa. So that's our, that's our third location now. We have one location in Maryland in the States. Um, then we, where I'm at, we cover the greater Toronto area. And now we just opened up an Ottawa location. So we're super, super pumped about that. Um, it's one of our, our head trainers is going up there to run it. Her name's Soraya. Um, she's amazing. Um, and so kind of all of our energy is being focused over there right now to get things up and running and going smoothly. So we're, we're really happy about that. Jeez, man, the way you're, you're growing, you're growing at a steady pace, man. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. We're trying, we're trying. All right. So welcome to the purpose round where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. So Mike, what is your purpose? Uh, my, my purpose is family um, and then helping people. You know, that, that, that's my purpose right there and, and helping people and family kind of go hand in hand, right? Uh, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's via dogs or anything else that I can do, I, I, my underlying purpose is I, it gives me value. I feel good about helping people. All right. What is your morning routine like? <laughs> My morning routine is probably not as impressive as your past guest's morning routine. Uh, I wake up because my daughter wakes up also throughout the night still. Uh, but I, I wake up, I sit in bed for probably about half an hour. We go, I go through social media, um, kind of get our plan together for what the day is going to be. I'm um, go over the schedules, drink a coffee and get going. Got you. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? That's a good question. That's a hard one. Um, selfishly, I'd probably want to talk to my grandma again. You know, I've, I've had plenty of conversations with her, but with one more, why not? I would rather talk, I would talk to her. Got you. What would you say was your worst moment and what did you learn from it? As far as business, my, my worst moment, and there's probably going to be more, uh, is whenever I, I feel like someone isn't satisfied with, with what we've done for them. You know, it kind of hurts um, because we, we put our all into it. Um, and if, if there's generally it's a, a, there's just a lack, a disconnect and something's not connecting. Um, so what I learned from that is uh, I, I try and be as concise and as clear as I can while communicating, not just with the dogs, but also with their owners, right. And making sure that those what I'm trying to get across can actually connect and is actually, you know, resonating with them. 
Got you. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only $100, how would you leverage that? Uh, good question. I probably, this is actually, so my daughter has just signed up for a gymnastics club and it's pretty expensive. So I made a deal with her that I'll be her primary investor. Uh, and we bought a bunch of Gatorades and water. And when we have our, our training days on Saturdays, she sits up there with her, her table and her can uh, that she collects payment and she sells water and Gatorade. And the return on that, that is pretty good, right? Like it's, you can get a whole box for pretty cheap. You can like a hundred percent return for a Gatorade. Yeah. yeah. That's probably where I would go. <laughs> that's, that's definitely a solid, I mean, you as an entrepreneur, you know how, how much that's going to help her growing up like that, that right there is going to do her wonders. Yeah, I respect yeah. that. What would you say is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, advice is easy to give but hard to give right. Hmm. I've never heard that one before. That's a powerful one. It's going to make me think twice about giving advice to somebody for sure. <laughs> That's a powerful one. List your top few most influential books. Uh, well, I like anything from Malcolm Gladwell, pretty much. Mm. Um, there's a book called The Talent Code. Um, I forget the name of the author. Dan Coyle, I believe it is another awesome book. Um, just it's about developing talent, um, in anything. So I relate it to dog training and life again. Um, uh, the compass of pleasure sounds kind of weird. Um, that's another one I like. And then living with our genes. Those are probably okay. my ones. right now. If you ask me next week, it'll probably be something different. Okay, cool. Yeah. I love, I love Malcolm Gladwell's. The reason why I like Malcolm Gladwell is because like I respect individuals who are very curious. Like yeah. the, the most curious individuals are usually um, the most intelligent people because they're always seeking knowledge. They don't think they know everything. They're always looking to learn and grow. So um, uh, yeah. And he's a great storyteller. Like you yes. can fly through those books and not if it doesn't feel sometimes reading books is like, like draining, like you're jumping mm. from work where his just flow really smoothly, you know? Definitely. Very true. Very true. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. Cool. Um, probably contingency plans. You know, everyone's like, oh, having a contingency plan, if this doesn't go that way. And I don't generally do that, you know, I'm, and I'm not a big business mogul, like, you know, so maybe that's why, but I, I kind of set my, my mind on something and we're like, Hey, we're going to follow this through. Um, now we will, you know, uh, stay at, you know, after a month or so kind of real, okay, how's this going? Is this working out? No, it's not. And I'm really, I don't get too tied on to like ideas in the business. Right. I'm saying, Hey, let's try this. I don't feel like it's my brainchild. Like I'm okay to just dismiss those things if, if they're not working. Um, but I don't really have, contingency plans or, or backups for if things don't work out. I'm just like, well, it's, we're going to work it out some way. So that's kind of how I look forward, not backwards. Got you. And is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? Yeah. Like the, the typical thing that people would say is, you know, find your passion and follow your passion. Um, and, and I think that that's true to an extent. I, I would suggest that, you're, you find your passion, but you're also open with the avenues for your passion, right? My passion ha has always been to help people. Uh, I liked 
learning uh, and how people learn or how things learn. Um, so that stayed true to what my passion was. And it landed me because I just followed it um, to working with dogs, right? And, and, and getting those things out. Whereas if originally I was just locked in and hey, I'm, I'm gonna do counseling and use this psychology degree in that manner, um, I probably wouldn't be as happy as I am now. Um, so I just kind of followed where it led me. Got you. And how can the Purposeful Story family stay connected with you? So pretty much all social media except Twitter. I'm not really active on there. Um, you know, you can follow our company is at grassroots canine and that's the letter K number nine. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, our Facebook page. We stay pretty active on. Um, and then my personal Instagram is just canine underscore Mike. Um, and it's like letter K number nine. Uh, and then just grassrootscanine.com. If you have questions uh, or any, anything that you want to reach out, you know, you can email us via that website and we'll get back to you. All of that, uh, that video library content um, for, for dog training is on that website. So it's all there. Got you. Mike, appreciate you coming on the show today. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, it was a good time. I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, I look forward to when this COVID stuff is, is done, getting together in person, man. Absolutely. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. This episode was edited by Clayton Bob of Precise AV Solutions, and the beats were created by DJ Nana. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All it does is help drive more listeners to the value we're bringing to your eardrums. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.